John chapter 19, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 15 this morning. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. And Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you... Let this man go. You are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And then Pilate therefore heard that saying. um, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. There's been accusations that have been made against Jesus Um, in the verses preceding this. He had he had been charged with threatening to destroy the temple of being an evildoer, of trying to pervert the nation and forbidding people to pay taxes and stirring up the people. But over and over and over again, we find that these accusations were false. The witnesses were against one another. We find over and over again from Pilate to Judas to Pilate's wife to Herod, and on and on saying, he's innocent. It's innocent blood. I find no fault in him. Nevertheless, in verse 1 of chapter 19, it tells us, so then, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Over and over again before this verse, you hear him saying, I find no fault in him. But they take him, Pilate specifically takes Jesus and scourges him. The scourging, we could could read over that and just say, okay, well, he was whipped. But it was more than that. They would take what was called a cat of nine tails, a, a wooden 
stick that, that had nine pieces of leathers coming from it. And embedded within that leather would be lead and, and brass and bone and rocks. And it'd all be placed within this. And they would take a person and they would bind him and, and, and cause his back to be exposed, stripping him of his clothing. And then they would go from there to whipping him. They would whip him so hard that they would take turns as far as the soldiers whipping so that nobody would lose strength in the midst of the whipping. Jewish law had it be where no one could be whipped or scourged more than 40 times. And so they would always stop at 39 to make sure that they never would go over the 40. But for Romans, they had no such law. The Romans are whipping him. They're whipping him to a place where his back would just be torn open, coming around his his front, just torn open. Um, his, historically, you you read and 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 you find that the the flesh would have been just torn into pieces, the muscle would have been exposed, even the internal organs would be exposed frequently. Often, people would die just of the scourging alone. They would never go all the way to the crucifixion because they would die at that particular point. It was a horrific form of torture. It's so horrific that it was unlawful for any Roman citizen to ever be scourged against the law. Under no circumstance could any Roman citizen be scourged. It's no wonder that Jesus, when he was later taken away as far as carrying his cross up to Calvary, that they had to call upon a man named Simon to, to come and to take the cross and to bear it for Jesus and to carry it up. Strength had been just wiped out as he had been scourged. I think of Isaiah in chapter 53 and verse 5 where it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. When you think of the stakes that are driven through his, his, his hands and his feet, and you think of the scourging in which took place, when you read about how it occurred, the flesh being torn open, let us just take a moment to contemplate he was wounded for our transgressions, for your transgressions, for my transgressions because of our sin he was wounded he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed Isaiah 53 making it just so clear that it's by his stripes his being whipped his being bruised, his being crucified, that our sins are removed. Soldiers go from there and they twisted a crown of thorns and they put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. They're there to mock him. They're there to, to make it into a circus as much as they possibly can of Jesus. Here you have the creator of all that exists, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God in the flesh. And they're twisting 
thorns. Royalty at that particular time would take a vine and, and twist it into a crown and, and, and they would wear it in Roman days. They took these thorny bushes and, and one of the, the bushes that's there in Israel is even named after Christ, but the, the thorns are just huge on these, on, on this particular plant. It's all over the place there and it's thought that they would have taken this particular plant and made it into a crown with these huge thorns and placed it upon his head. Matthew tells us that when they had twisted the crown of thorns, they put it on his head and, and they put a reed in his right hand and then they bowed the knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. But we're also told that they took the reed and they just slammed it upon his head, causing the crown to go deep into his head and just blood would have been pouring out profusely from him. They put a purple robe on him. A robe that that is the color purple for royalty and they probably just took it off one of the soldiers and placed it upon Jesus and covered him saying, King of the Jews, crown of thorns, purple robe, a reed that's in his hand, making fun of him over and over and over again. Verse 3 says, Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And it says, And they struck him with their hands. They began to strike him and to punch him over and over again with their hands. Then Pilate went out again and he said to them, he said to them, behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. I'm bringing him out to you again. I want you to be able to see that, that I have no fault in him, yet they have just torn him to shreds. And so they, they bring him out. Says Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Pilate's bringing him out before him. Behold the man, look at him. Just let him go. We beat him. We scourged him. There's a crown of thorns upon his head. He's, he's been shamed. He's, he's been bloody to the point of near death. And yet the hatred that is in the people brings them again to a place of crucify him, crucify him. They start chanting this, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate says, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Now, as we've been studying through this, you know that Pilate's afraid. He knows that, that if he has one more uprising, if there's one more problem that occurs within Rome, if, if, if they go back to those that are over him and, and, and one more time say, he's out of control, he's losing control, this is what he's done, he's going to either lose his position or be put to death. He knows that's the case. So he's doing everything he can to, to, to say, he's innocent. Let him go. But he comes to a place of you take him and crucify him. The Jews had no ability to crucify him. The Jews had no ability to legally put people to death. That's why they're going 
to Pilate in the first place. But he's at, at, at a place of just being so done with this. You take him and crucify him. You do it. But they can't. So Jesus answered him, or the Jews answered him, saying, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was even more afraid. He is afraid. He is a man that is the governor in that particular region, and he is afraid. He's afraid of what the people are going to do. He's afraid of the uprising. He's afraid of what Rome will think of him. He's afraid of man. There's this fear in him as far as, I cannot be seen poorly by these people or by Rome. And so he's afraid. He went a, and went out, he went out again into the praetorium and he said to Jesus, where are you from? Where are you from? They say, that you're making yourself out to be God. They're saying that you're calling yourself the son of God. Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate says to him, are you not speaking to me? Credible pride that's there within Pilate as he says this. Who do you think you are to not answer me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to release you? Don't you know the extent of my power? I could crucify you right now or I could release you. We, we think of the government today and we have an election that's coming up. There, there's no lack of this kind of pride in any of our candidates, from what I see. Um, being at a place of, don't you know the power that I have? Don't you know which the power that I have holds currently within our government? I think that it's not difficult to look at our government as well as to look at many other governments that are around us and see people with just incredible pride. Don't you know my power. And you look at Jesus' response. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given from above. Given to you from above. You would have no power at all unless it had been given from above. For me, this verse is just a great encouragement in the climate in which we live in. You see what takes place within our particular state right now with some of the laws that are trying to be pressed through, the ways in which it will affect us, the ways in which it will affect our universities that are around us, the Christian colleges and universities, the ways that it affects us as a church and the ways that it affects you in your workplace or the ways that it affects our kids in their school places. Um, there's laws that are around us in which we more and more feel like we're the minority, don't we? More and more we understand that, that there's this narrow way that leads to everlasting life. More and more we, we realize that we're pilgrims, don't we? And yet, the government around us can appear as if they have so much power 
And yet Jesus says, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Find great encouragement in that. Still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is God. Still the one that's in charge is God. Still God can take rulers and he could tear them down and he could take other rulers and he can rise them up. He can do whatsoever he wills to do and he can work mightily on behalf of his people. He can rescue us from the lion's den. He can rescue us from being thrown into the furnace. He can do whatever he desires to do and we serve a God who is sovereign like that. Not that there's simply great care as far as who we elect and great care as far as um, the way in which we get involved politically since we the people are the government here in the United States. But if you're anything like me and you get through an election and you look and think, mm, hardly anything I wanted won this time. There comes a place of just realizing God's sovereign. God is good. God's in control. So therefore, verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Now more and more fear is coming against Pilate. More and more fear is there as they go to him and they say, if you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend. You're not the friend of Caesar. We will go to Caesar. We will tell Caesar that you're not his friend. You're letting somebody else be here that, that is saying that he is a king and that speaks against Caesar. We will go and we will tell Caesar there will be one more thing against you. And it says, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, behold, your king. But they cried out. Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king. But who? Caesar. To get those words to come out of these people's mouths is just radical as far as the hardness of their hearts. Pilate comes to a place of, I, I'm done here. I, behold your king, here he is. Fearful of man. But the people cry out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. Think of the Jewish people saying this. You remember when the Jewish people were, were living in, in Israel and, and they didn't have a king. They were there and they were ruled in a theocracy and God would send God would send people to them to 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 be judges over them or to 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 bring prophecy and to speak on his behalf
but the people wanted a king. Samuel's there and, and all the elders of, of Israel come and they say, look, you're old. Your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to, to judge us like all the nations. Everybody else has a king. I want a king. We want a king. They all have kings. We don't have a king. Give us a king. You're old. Your kids are unruly. Give us a king. And so Samuel, in 1 Samuel 8, it tells us that it displeased the Lord. It displeased Samuel. displeased God as well. And when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prays and the Lord says, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. It's not that they've rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. They don't want me to rule over them. They don't want me over them. They're asking for a king, not because they don't like you, Samuel. It's because they don't like me. And so when we look at this particular situation here with the the chief priests and the officers and all these people that are there and they're, they're crying out away with him, away with him, crucify him. It's not because of any other reason that they hate Christ. They could say that they are those that are God's people. But you remember in verse 11 there, we just read over it quickly, but it says, therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Whether it be Judas that we're talking about who spent those three entire years with Jesus or whether it be the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sadducees, these people who are bringing Christ to them, these ones that were supposed to know so much as far as about God and about the law and about what prophecy had and all that God had said. They, they hated him. They hated God. They hated the light. They love darkness rather than the light. It didn't matter that, that everything that, that they said was we're followers of God, we're doing these things. When it came down to it, and there's the Messiah, there's their king. As we look at this, they're wanting to follow him, they're haters of him. They're wanting to crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Away with him, away with him, crucify him. We'll have no king but Caesar. In reality, what they're speaking is true, isn't it? What they're saying is true. They don't want to follow the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They hate Caesar. They hate the Roman government. They hate who is in authority over them. But they hate Christ more. Caesar, Caesar is our king. We have no king but Caesar. This morning I want to close with this. Who's our king as believers? Who is our king? We live in a time in which the government that's around us would love us to say, we have no king but Caesar. They want to be in such authority over us in which they would look upon the us, God's people, and say, 
you guys have laws in which you abide by, but we're the ones that will declare what is right and wrong. We're the ones that are going to say, this is what you must do. This is the way you must, must act. This is the way you must preach. This is the way in which you must conduct yourselves. This is the things that you must teach your kids. And there's so many people today that would respond, we have no king but Caesar. But not us. Right? You have the Jews that are there, we have no king but Caesar. Not for us. We serve the king of kings and we serve the Lord of lords. Pilate was afraid of man. And as a result of being afraid of man, he just cowered and sent Christ to be crucified. He knew that Christ was innocent. He knew that he had done nothing wrong. But he sent him to be crucified. The Jews, here's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they're, they're haters of him. They'd rather position themselves under the authority of Caesar than to be under the authority of Christ. To be under the authority of Almighty God. Who's our king? Our king is the one in whom had all authority. Our king is the one who said, you could have no power against me unless it had been given to you from above. Our king is the one who laid down his life for our sins there on that cross over 2,000 years ago. That's who our king is. Our king's the one who reigns sovereign. Our king's the one who, who had a plan. And these guys are going about their business of how they're going to be against him and what they're going to do and how they're going to scourge him and how they're going to crucify and how he's going to be betrayed and all of these things. And yet there was a plan in which Christ was coming to lay down his life for us. And he is king and he rules and he reigns and he's supreme. I pray that God would give us strength not to be afraid of man. That we wouldn't cower at man. When you're in your workplace or when you're in your school and you have those that rise up and there's so much pressure that goes against you as far as who is Christ to you? That we would not be like Pilate and we would not be like these people who are just so afraid of man. But we would boldly proclaim he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is my Messiah. He has given me his word. He has saved me from, from this life. He saved me from my sin. He's made it so that I'm a part of his family. He is light and I adore him and I love him and I will follow him and I will profess him and I'll tell others about him. We serve a God. We serve a God who, as we look in this particular passage, it's all been laid out for us. Um, Pilate, you think of the circumstances in which the way he became the leader, the governor in that area, and you think of the, the things that took place prior to that to make it so that he would be so afraid at this particular point. God knew that all those things would happen. God knew the fear in which... This, this weak, weak man would be in, that Pilate would be the one 
to send Jesus to be crucified. But God, in the midst of it all, is in control. May he be our king. May he be the one we serve. May he be the one we follow. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time that we've had in your word this morning. And I pray, Lord, that um, that that you would cause us just to to see you in such a way that that you reign, that you are in control, Lord, that you are the king of kings and you're the Lord of lords. And I pray, Lord, that um, that we would not be afraid of man, that we'd be solid followers of you. We thank you, Lord, for the cross. From seeing the scourging to the crown of thorns to the purple robe, the beatings in the face, being punched over and over again. And to think that it was for our sins, for our iniquities, for our trespasses, that you were beaten and bruised and whipped so that we could be healed, that you were crucified for us. I pray that this this small picture that we see in John 19 would cause us to be so thankful for you, so thankful for the cross, so thankful for what you've accomplished. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.